0: Thank God for his goodness. He was not here this morning. We advise you to get the tape. Matter of fact, that was part five on a series, just a short series, Our Heavenly Father's Desire. All right, that's what we're dealing with, part six today. Next week, by the grace of God, we'll be back on course to finish the uh, series we were on dealing with the 2nd Corinthians chapter 3, and we get into that next week, amen. amen? All right, let's get our Bible, and let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 15. Man, I got to get me some more height. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, let's go there, are you there? It says, "Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What's the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? I'm sorry. According to the work of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. far above all principalities and power And might and dominion in every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, we're going to be teaching from verse number 18. In verse number 18, we've already taught verse 17. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, number one, the spirit of wisdom. Now we have that in the storehouse. Somebody said a spirit of wisdom. Spirit of wisdom. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we talked the last week on the revelation in the knowledge of Him. Said a revelation, revelation. In, the in the knowledge of Him. All right. Now, today, in verse 18, you ought to see where you're going. Is laid out for you, right? In verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Now, all of this is so you can know. Remember, the next verse says that we may know. So God is bringing us to a place for we can know, all right? Now, we got three things we got to know. We taught up one of them already is what's the hope of his calling, number one. Then we also taught, number two, uh, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance. God wants to know what we have inherited. And then next is verse number 19, which we have not got to, is what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us that believe. All right, now a lot of you was, maybe not was in Bible class, but I taught on the book Ephesians back in two thousand and eight. Now, how many people was here in 2008? Raise your hand. You was at this church in 2008. All right. Now, you can put your hand down. How many people was at Bible class in 2008? All right. I'm just saying because that's when I taught that. You remember I taught the book of Ephesians? Well, that's in the storehouse. And I say to you, if you plan on getting that book of Ephesians, you need to get it because we all, we're not making any more DVDs on the book of Ephesians. No more, no, more, I'm sorry, no more CDs on the book of Ephesians. Alright, I've already checked out two or three or four of myself, so. All right. Then we have them in a situation so it's very easy to afford. All right. So we're going to talk about the day. We, we want you to put on the screen. You are going to have your seat. Take a seat. We're going, to, we're going to put on the screen out of the Ephesians 118. Ephesians 118, I want to show you what it says in two translations. Number one, we're going to do the good news. Number two, we're going to show the N-A-O-T. We're going to show you two versions of what it says in Ephesians 1.18. From the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse number 18. From the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, and verse number 18. When you get there, say amen. Ephesians, chapter 1, and verse number 18. Thank you. I ask that your minds, I ask that your mind may be open. This is the prayer. I ask that your mind may be open to see his light. See it again? I ask that your mind may be open to see his light. Why? So that you will know what is the hope which he has called you. I told you before, remember God called you? Well, God wanna know, wants you to know why he called you. This is for you. Personally, okay. All right, don't let me find it in the basket. I ask that your minds be open to see his light. What do God want your mind open to see? His light, his light. all right. Then it says, so you will know. See, once, you, once your eyes are open to see his light, so you will know. You gonna know what, number one, what the hope in which he has called you. You will know why he called you. Number two, you're going to know how rich are the wonderful blessings he has blessed you with. That's what he's going to, you continue, you'll see it in the next verse. Flow with me there. All right. The power of what he had promised you. Okay, now, and, and number, verse 19, and how very great is the power at work, watch this, in us who believe. So God is going to show us his mighty power. But that mighty power is in us who believed. Somebody said the power is in me. me. All right, let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. We thank you for giving us your Son. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. We know not only you gave us your life, even Christ gave us his life. Because Christ is your life, and now Christ now has become our life. We love you. We appreciate you. And we thank you for ministering to our hearts and our minds and our souls in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. All the way that prayers today, amen. All right, now what I want to do today is I want to tell you our subject, I just gave it to you. In verse 18, I'm not going to use the King James and the King James said, have the eye of your understanding being enlightened. That's too long for my tape, So I got to be able to say it, right? And the way I said it was, this is God's desire now I desire your mind be open to see his light. This is God's prayer through the Apostle Paul. God's desire is that your mind, which is your heart, be open to see his light. And I'm going to show you that because until that happens, let's start out with the Apostle Paul. We're going to go to Acts 26, 18. Uh, I'm not going through all I went through this morning. I don't have the time. But until your eyes is open to see his light, then you're not gonna know what's going on in your life. And God, God has given you the Holy Spirit so you can know. Alright? He gave you the Holy Ghost so you could know. Alright. Now, in First Corinthians, I'm sorry, here we go. Acts twenty six, eighteen. In Acts twenty six, eighteen, the apostle Paul gave us the vision that God gave him. Now, watch this verse. Very powerful. Acts 26 and verse 18. You should have it marked your Bible by now. This is what God said to Paul. He's going to open his eyes. Now remember, when I go back to Acts chapter 9, you're going to see when I go back to Acts 9, I'm going to start at verse 8 and read that through verse 17 this time. But when I go back to Acts chapter 9, verse 8 through 17, I'm going to show you that God's going to say. Open Paul's eyes twice, physically and spiritually. And what I saw in that was God blinded him so he could see. Let me say it again. God going to blind him so he can see what God wants to show him. He, he taught him not to use his natural mind. If that, Let me move on. Acts 26, 18 open his eyes that's what paul ministry the priest of gospel was to do is to open their eyes turn them from darkness to light turn them from the power of satan to god that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that's in me now let's go back to Acts chapter 9 let me show you that that was his ministry I said something this morning. I can't get back into those kind of things because I got a lot. You need to get this morning tape. I talked about Moses went to the bun bun bush. Now, this is the same thing happened to Paul. Acts chapter 9 is what we're waiting on. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to show you verse number 8. Saul arose from early. Now, watch this happen. Now, Saul had just fallen to the earth. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 8. He arose from the earth. Watch the first thing happen when his eyes were open. Wait a minute. Somebody said, Eyes open. Now, when he what, he arose from the earth when his eyes was open. Then he said, He saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him in Damascus. Now he didn't see nobody naturally. Because we're going to show you when God opened his eyes, he saw the Lord. Now, that's the vision. And in verse number 10, I'm sorry, chapter number 9, verse 10, right? And verse 9 says he was there three days without sight. Wait a minute, I thought he just opened his eyes. He was there three days without sight. And neither eat or drink. And then in verse 10, it said, There was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. To him said the Lord in a vision. Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here. And the Lord said to Ananias, Go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold, he prayeth. And watch what God going to say the next word. And hath seen in the vision. Somebody say, when he was blind. Yes. Say it again, when he was blind. Yes. He saw in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Wait a minute, I thought he just received his sight. And then in verse number 13, Then Ananias answered and said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to many to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said to him, go thy way. He's a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Then God says, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Ananias went his way into the house, putting his hands on Paul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appealed to you. Appealed, remember? Jesus appealed to him. In the way, as thou cameth, hath sent me, that you may, number one, receive your sight. I thought he just received his sight. See, so you got to understand something. God blinded him so he can see. And then he going to open his physical eyes. That you might receive your sight and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what people take, and I'm like, I don't have time to go into it. People take that because Ananias was a man of the law. Immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scaled. He received his sight, and then the Bible said he rose and was baptized. Now, that's happened because this man who God sent was a Jew under the law. That's why he baptized him, because he baptized him unto repentance. All right. Now, but we found out that Paul told him in 1 Corinthians 17, Christ sent me not to baptize. All right, but let's move on, because i got I to get to a lot of stuff. Now we see what happened to the apostle Paul. So I showed you what happened to a man. Let's go to Psalm 18.28. We're catching up. We're catching up. In Psalm 18.28, this actually happened to our Lord Jesus. Remember, he was made flesh and dwell among us, but he had to go through the whole process. Because remember, he has left his deity as the Son of God and was made like unto the Son of Man. So here, watch what happened. The Bible says here, for thou wilt light my darkness. Wait a minute. For thou will light my candle. Well, why is God going to light your candle? How many know what the candle is? We're going to show you what the candle is. All right, because that's what God had to light in you. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord would enlighten my darkness. Well, how is God going to bring light into the house? Remember the Bible said, his, your body is your soul is the temple of the Holy Ghost? What did God do when he came into your life? I'm going to show you that right now. That's Psalm 18:20. Let's go to Proverbs 20 and 27. So you have to understand what is. The count of the Lord. He's going to tell you in his word. The spirit of man. Well, the spirit of man is man's soul. Your soul is the count of the Lord. Now, if it got dark in here right now, I'm from the plantation, from the cotton field, Greenville, Mississippi, down seven miles. You know where that is, I tell you, seven miles, going towards, uh, uh, my sister was here this morning, going towards her town there, Lake Village, Arkansas. And, uh. Before you cross the river bridge, now down on Refuge Plantation, that's where we were from. All right, Brother Jimmy over there, don't let him fool you. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now he wasn't raised there, he, he moved here as soon as he was a little kid, so he did get away. He got, he got away, he got, he got away, that's what happened. All right, but watch this. Now. Your soul, watch what your soul is. The spirit of man is called what? The candle of the Lord. Now, you don't want to forget that because you got to know what your soul is. Uh, Here we go. The spirit of man is what? It's the candle of the Lord. Now, what do God use your soul to do? Searching all the inward parts of the body. You remember the Bible said God looking out and out with a part. God looks at the heart. Why? Because that's where God lives, right? That's where he lives. But he uses your soul, which is your spirit, to search all the inward parts. Now, when you, you, when you get the Holy Spirit, now that's what happened when God comes in your life. Light has come into your, into your soul, and now your soul is, is, is in light. Now, in Psalm 119 and 130 is where we left off this morning. No, we're moving a little fast. Get this morning tape. Psalm 119, 130. So, what God does when He put Christ in you is lighten your darkness. Christ coming your, in your house and into your soul and he brings light into your darkness. So now that's why when you read John chapter one, which we'll go to next, it'll tell you how God did it. Psalm 113, are you there yet? Because if not, I'm gonna go to John one and one, I'm moving on. Psalm 113, 130. From here, I'm gonna go to John chapter number one, Psalm 119, 130. All right, everybody got that? All right, from here, I'm going to go to the Gospel of St. John chapter 1, and I'm going to just start with verse 1. That's how we do. And the Bible said, The interest of God's Word gives it light. Now, He's telling you how you're going to get the light. Not through water baptism. You're not going to get no light through water baptism. If you're not careful, you get drowned. But you're going to get light through God's Word. The interest of God will give light. Watch what it does, it gives it understanding. So what is the definition of light? It's understanding. So if I go all the way back to my subject, I know what it was. I know what Ephesians 118 told me. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened. Well, how is God going to lighten, how is he going to bring me to understanding? He has to do Psalm 119, 130. How is God going to get my house full of light? I got to keep putting the word in. The instance of God's word does what? Give it light. What what is light? It gives it understanding to the simple. So if I get understanding, I got light. Now, watch what the Bible tells you in Proverbs 4-7. See, the man who wrote Proverbs was a man who left God. After God had appeared to him twice, he left God. And his heart was deceived. He told Solomon that that woman he had was going to turn his heart from God. And it did. I'm not saying that's the only way it happened, but that just that way. The Bible said wisdom is a principal thing. That means wisdom is first. Wisdom is first. But the Bible says it's a principal thing. The word principal means first. That's why when you go to the high school, you first you ask for the principal. Because he's the first person in the school for his rank. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. First, get wisdom. But that's not why you want, where you want to stop at. You start off at wisdom. You got to go through, um, through knowledge till you get to understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But in all you're getting, get understanding. Because if you don't get understanding. Understanding is the only spirit that can keep you. So when you study the word of God, understanding, you'll find out, the Holy Ghost keeping you once you get understanding. But I'm not there on that right now. I got a long ways to go. All right, so, so let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Did I give you anything else? I said we're we'll going to go to John 1. Thank you very much. Now, in the Gospel of St. John chapter 1, we said we're going to start at verse 1, didn't we? In, God, in John 1 and 1. In the beginning. Now, God is saying in the beginning because you've got to know who is the beginning if you don't know who the beginning is in here, you don't know who the beginning is in Genesis. Because in the beginning, God created all things. So you got to know who did God do it in. You don't know, you don't know who God did it in. Hold, hold your finger right there. Look at 1 Corinthians 5.17. If you don't know who God did it in. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5.17. 519, I'm I'm just going to do 2 Corinthians Corinthians 519. Let's do that one. 2 Corinthians 519. You got to know, in the beginning, God. God did everything in. In In who? In the beginning, but who's the beginning? See, in this Bible, there's only one man said, the beginning and the ending. See, so that's one of his names. To wit, that God was in Christ. So I know who God was in. God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespass unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Paul said he committed to us the word of reconciliation. Well, if you don't know the word, how are you going to get that person saved? Somebody say amen. Amen. All right, now let's go back to John 1 and 1. So in John 1 and 1, in the beginning, God, just like Genesis says, in the beginning, God, in Christ. Okay. In the beginning was the word. And then he said the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Well, who was in the beginning with God? Christ, right. And then it says, all things were made by him, Christ. And without Christ was not anything made Then that was made. In Christ was life, and the life was the light of man. So Christ in you is not only light, but it's your life. Because that's what light does, is produce life. There is no life in without light. I'm just trying to help you think. You can plant a seed in the ground, never give it light, never gonna grow. If you don't come under the word, under the light of God's word, you're not gonna grow. God, light causes growth. I'm from the country. We used to have cotton all over the place, water, I mean, I thought, the, I thought the cotton was dead because there was nothing but water over the whole field. And we were like, man, that water didn't kill all the crop. But after that, all that water left, and it got to be 95 and 100 degrees, all of a sudden you look on the field go like, mew, 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 Stuff grow popping up everywhere. What was happening? The water has finished its course. The water responsibilities was to cause death to come to the sea. And then after the sea was dead, now the light is going to come out and bring it up. See, the word of God tell you, everything began under the water. You was born in water. But here the water is the word. Okay, and verse number six says, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness, watch this, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Through him, see, through that light. He was not that light. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Now watch this, what he's going to say in the next two verses. That was the true light, which lighteneth every man that cometh into the world. So this is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Watch this, he was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. See, he is that light. So you see, uh, let me take you to a couple places. Let's go to Matthew now, chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. From here we go to John eight twelve. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. From here we go to John eight twelve. So you have to understand about light. God is light. Your soul will be dead right now without God's light in it. God's light in you is evidence that there's life. And this light that's in you can nothing comprehend it. The word comprehend it means cannot put it out. See, what we think is, we think what we do Causes God to love us. Minister Cannon, Minister Saturday yesterday at me in fellowship. And he said, God love us so much until the everything is full of God's love. You can't add to it. It's full. So if you're gonna put some more in it, you're gonna be running over on the outside. His love is already full. You can't add to it. God loved you while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God already love you. Amen. Can't nobody answer that. That's eternal. And if you want to know, do God love you? Take a look at the cross. Yes. It's on everybody church. Most preachers got around their neck, hanging around their neck. A lot of people wearing full of pails. God loved me. Yeah, he loved me. How do I know? He gave his son. See. His son gave his life. That's why there's two loves. And that's John three sixteen. That's the God so loved. That's the Father so loved. Father so loved us. And then there's a John five thirteen. There's a John 15, 13. Two loves. Let me show them to you quickly. John three sixteen said, God so loved. For God, the Father, the Father so loved us that he gave his only begotten Son that whoso believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world. Everybody. John 15, 6, 15, 13 after that. Thank you very much. He gave his everlasting life. That's who his son. Once you receive his son, you receive everlasting life. His son is the only one that had everlasting life. And then John 15:13, the son gave his life. That's the true love. That's why the son said greater love had no man than this. And a man laid down his life for his friend. God gave his son, that's the father's love, but his son voluntarily, willingly went to the cross and willingly laid down his life so you could have his life. Gave his life away that we could have his life. Greater love has no man than this. Nobody has ever shared that kind of love. Then a man laid down his life, not for his brother, while we were your sinners, He was friend to Abraham, he was friend to Israel, but he was our, to us, he was our enemy. We were the enemy of God, but while we were yet sinners, that's one word, sinner is another word for enemy. Christ died for me. And when I found out how much he loved me, I can't do nothing but love him. So my job is to tell you, you didn't fix yourself up before God could love you. God loved you from the cross. He loved you before the foundation of the world. As a matter of fact, when he gave his son, it was so he can get you. That's what Minister Cannon talked about yesterday. He wants some sons, brother. God wants some sons. And that's why he gave you his grace and his purpose. That's what he talked about in his, his story. He talked about God's grace and God's purpose. God's grace is that he gave you a son. He died, buried, and raised again from the dead. That's his grace. But his purpose is he had to have relationship. He wants some sons and some daughters. And he couldn't do it if he didn't give it his son. That's what you got to understand. So stop trying to go around trying. I'm trying to please God. You can't please God. Only one man came here and pleased God. This is my son. In whom I am well pleased. What you need to do is get some word in you and learn how to live. Keep getting that light. Just keep getting that light in you. You ain't got to worry about darkness. That light going to run that darkness right out of there. Somebody say amen. All right, now let's go look at a couple of things. I said one of them was John chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You are, let me get to that. I know we got it on the screen. John chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light. Now you watch this now. He's talking to Israel. John chapter 5. I'm sorry, I'm looking at John. Matthew 5, thank you, sir. Matthew chapter 5. All right, verse 14. Matthew 5, 14. He just told them they were the salt of the earth. But in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. He looking at these people and said, look, you the light. Look at somebody and say, you're the light. Yes. Otherwise, you're the light of the world. You're the only light man going to see. When man don't want God, don't want to go to church, they can say, well, look at me. And I don't have to tell them that the way I live. They're going to see I'm the light. There's something different between light and darkness. Your, your life, Your light convicts people when you live it. Nobody got to ask how you saved. All they got to do is watch you. They'll know because they're going to see that light. Somebody say amen. amen. All this stuff they're talking about they do, you don't do. All these places they're talking about going, you don't go. Sooner or later they're going to say, what's up with you? They'll say, well, no, I'm a light carrier. <laughs> Darkness does not live in this house. <laughs> I come to bear witness to the truth. Somebody say amen. So in John chapter 5, Jesus told his disciples, say, you are the light of the world. Oh, I'm sorry, Matthew, I'm sorry. Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world, or city. If you get enough life together, if you get enough light together, what you got? Man, you be flying into some of these big cities. A lot long ago, we went to Fort Lauderdale, flying over Fort Lauderdale and Miami. You're looking at all of this stuff. they like 20 miles apart, see, Miami and Fort Lauderdale. You're looking down at all these, God, look at the light. Look at all that light. How many know that's a city? Come on, now, I'm from plantation. You fly over refuge plantation, you're not going to see nothing. Come on, you got to understand, if you're not a city, you, you don't have light. The only reason something's a city, it got a lot of light. There's a lot of light. You ever fly over a city, you're in an airplane, look down, you know you're flying over a city because look at all them lights. You fly over a refuge plantation, you're not going to see nothing. You left the highway, you left light. Yeah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. Now, in Matthew chapter five, he said, a city that sat on a hill cannot be hid. Look at somebody and say, if you have the light, yeah. you can't hide it. Yeah. No, you can't hide. You can you can act all sanctimoniously around around people. If you really got the light, it's gonna come out. Yeah. It's gonna come out in your attitude. That's what the song like right? this. It'll come out, right? It's going to come out if you have to bless your food. People are going to see it just like, what are you doing? I always pray before I eat. See, light got to come out. You can't not hide that light. If that light is in you, it's going to come out. I don't care how well you talk, sooner or later you're going to say, praise the Lord. Uh, thank you. Thank you. How many know it's coming out? Oh, it's going to come out. It's gonna come out. You can be You can you can be doing your job, trying to be cool. But something the Lord's gonna do in your life. I mean, especially if He happened to feel that anointing upon you. Just, just, thank you, Jesus. Just like I didn't know you was a Christian. Uh, I, I, I you know I go to church, but no, you got that. You got to let God. Well, I'm, let let me let me show you. Let me show you what I'm talking about. You got to let your light. I'm, I'm telling you, you got to let this, look at verse 14. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel. It's not, it's not to be hid. But you put it up on a candlestick, and it gives light to all them that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Give the Lord a great big hand. I got a cup here that I don't want to release no water. Nice cup. <coughs> I bought it. <laughs> don't want to release no water. All right, but, but it's a, it's, it got to shine, right? Amen. The Bible said, let your light so shine before men. They'll see your good works. So we know we're know we talking about good works, right? And that caused them to glorify the Father in heaven. So you can get people saved by your walk in life. Amen? All right. Or you can give them some direction. Let's go to John 8, 12. From here, we're going to go to John 12, 35. Then I got to get to my message. I got some stuff I got to show you. John chapter 8, verse number 12. John chapter 8, verse number 12. Then spake Jesus, are you there? Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. I thought he just said, You the light of the world. You know what he's dealing with, right? He's dealing with the sun and the moon. When he's talking to Israel, he's talking to them as the moon. When he's talking about himself, he's talking about himself as the sun. Now you go back to Genesis, you know when God did, he created two light. One to rule the day and one to rule the night. But there's something about the moon. It gets its light from the sun. So when you tell them you are the light of the world, then he said, "I'm the light of the world." That means you can't do nothing without me. You remember what Jesus said, "Without me, you can't do nothing," because the moon can't shine if the sun don't shine in it. Of course, the sun the moon is a light, but the sun is the one that gives the moon its light. Now that's the revelation of Christ in the church. The church got its light from the sun. Ain't that right? So God put the light in you so you can let his light shine through you. Somebody say amen. So when they're, when they're anointed upon you to say praise the Lord, you're supposed to say praise the Lord. Nobody's supposed to make you praise the Lord. Nobody's supposed to tell you to praise the Lord. You got to praise the Lord because the anointing's on your life. And the Spirit of God can move away in your life that you can't do. You can say, I'm not going to raise my hand, but with the Spirit of the Lord to move, you'll have them both up in there. <laughs> I know because I remember the times in my life when I went to church, and I, I was going to see it. Well, my job to make sure I, I don't be like everybody else. That was my thing. I said, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not doing all this because somebody else is doing it. If the Lord want me to do it, he'd know how to get me to do it. That's how I would be. I will sit there and I would be cool. And I'm telling you, I, that's what I always say. I went to church. I didn't intend to stay. And then my soul got happy. And I stayed all day. I've been going to church ever since. I used to go to church. I used to go to church with my wife. Now, my wife is in the office right now, okay. So we'll talk about that later. But she's fine when she's in my office. But anyway, I wasn't planning on... I got so, this word had gotten so in my life until I could not be still. That's why I have patience with a lot of people who, you know, I don't mind what you're doing, but make sure it's the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care what you do in church, as long as the Holy Ghost doing it. Well, I remember when my pastor was ministering, I remember the church I was at. And all the preachers were sitting up there because I wasn't in ministry yet. So I was sitting out there, but I was in that word. That word was wearing me out. I could even, you said Jesus. I'm headed of I'm a casata, Romo You know, you could have said Jesus, you go straight. <laughs> thank you, Lord. You know, when you first got to say, somebody said Jesus, you thank you, Lord. <laughs> huh? That's why I was. So I'm sitting up in this church, I won't name the name of it. And my pastor, Pastor Amos G. Johnson, was ministering. And he was ministering, I think, from Ephesians or one of these books, Ephesians or lots or whatever, but it was something that I had been over. And man, he got the minister in the word of God, I'm telling you, I could not stand, I could not keep my mouth shut. And I mean, I was, I was so until I just I ain't gonna say this. I'm not gonna say this. And then you said something, go, and I said something. I kept saying something. People started looking at me in the church. I'm going, no, I'm not gonna say anything this. I, 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 I plainly was saying to pastor, I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna say that. you know. I, I couldn't even, you, how many know that? There are times you can't even hold your peace. You be trying to be nice you need to release yeah. station identification stand up on your feet one moment come on really <laughs> now some now some now some of y'all think i'm messing with you i'm not messing with you there are some people in here right now who just need to release now i want to give you that opportunity to release. take about 30 seconds and just release yeah. T- <laughs> to reach the release there you go thank you thank you lord can you release it thank you lord thank you lord just take just take a moment hey my son thank you thank him hey baka. thank the lord thank you oh i thank you lord for your goodness thank you for your mercy hey God been good to me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just got to tell somebody. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless the Savior. Bless the Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, you can be seated, you can be seated, but, but I, you know, you thought about something and I didn't want to do it by myself. This time last year, this time last year, I was on my back. Had just got an operation, they had just cut my chest open. Had just broke my rib, cut my chest open, wound me out, opened me up. September the 11th. I was still out for the f- next four days. They gave me a thing to bring home with me in case I die. That it would shock me back to life. Told me I had to wear it every day. Gave me a card. Didn't think I was gonna make it. Even the doctors who had took surgery on me, didn't think I was going to make it because they called the people and gave them a card and said, take this card with you. I had a pack on my side. I had an electronic machine by my bed. I had two things in the front, two in the back. In case it don't work, it was to shock me and make me back to life. I wore it for three days. I told my wife, I said, I can't wear it no more. I said, if God is God, and he is God. And if he has done what he said he gonna do, I don't need no man to keep me alive. I gave my hand to the Lord, and I know my God, he led me through the valley, through the shadow of death, and I felt no evil. Cause God, you about to, you about to talk to me. Hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about, boy. You've been through some stuff. And you got to know it had to be God. Me and God had a talk. I told God the week before I went in, because, see, I've been working on this thing for a long time. Y'all know nothing about this. But I told the Lord. I said, I'm going to take three days Three weeks, I told him. I'm going in there for three weeks. I told my wife. I told my family. I said, I'm going in for three weeks. And after that, I'm coming back and pastor this church. And I'm going to be teaching on this. When I came back, if you go look at the tape, I taught on how God worked. I did not go. That's why I told you this morning, when Moses went to the mountain and Moses saw God, he did not leave God in the bush. When Moses went to the, to the mountain, he did not leave God in the book, in the bush. How many know who that is? Exodus what? 3.12, right? Look at Exodus 3:12. He did not leave God in the bush. If God ever revealed himself to you, he in you now. You didn't leave God when you first met him. When Paul met the Lord, he said the Lord was on the road to Damascus. He he was shining and he was brighter than the noonday sun. Well, God didn't stay there. He saw God so God could come in. God let him see he's coming in. And when he came in, it blinded him. Fell to the ground. And he had to be led to Ananias to tell him what had happened. If God gave you a vision of him, it puts you out. Ask me, I know. I don't remember getting up all that night. I don't know what the other man was singing when he told me I couldn't sleep at all that night. I know why I couldn't sleep at all that. Knock me out. But God revealed something to me. Look Look at that. Come now, Moses. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you might bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's what your assignment is. Moses said to God, who am I, Lord, that I should go to Pharaoh? And I, now he's over here in the bush. God's in the bush. The bush burning on fire. He took his shoes off because he don't know God yet. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? You're not going to be bringing them out of Egypt. The next verse says, certainly. Somebody says, certainly. He says, certainly I will be with you. See, that's what we think. We think we meet God in the bush, and we thank God. Okay, Lord, I see you when I need you again. Okay, then, thank you for letting me come over there. And thank you. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God went with him. When God revealed himself to you, God moves in. Oh, see, you don't get it. You know why? Because you ain't felt him. God ain't waiting for you to fill him. I'm trying to tell you, if he ever revealed himself to you, he moved in. He moved in that day. He with you. You got to know that. He moved in. Told Moses, certainly I'll be with you and this shall be a token to you that I have sent you when thou hast brought forth the children of Israel out of Egypt because you know you can't do it and you're going to come back here and serve me up on this mountain. I'm going to take you in Egypt, we're going to defeat Pharaoh, we come right back here, we're going to give him the word. And Moses said the next verse, how am I going to know all of that? See, that's why God is going to show him I am. Who, who, who are you? I'm waiting for the next verse. See, that's why he told him who he was. Moses said to God, behold, when I come to the children of Israel, and they say to them, the God your father has sent me unto you, and they're going to say... They're going to say to you, what's his name? I'm waiting on the next verse, see. What's his name? What shall I say to them? What am I going to tell these people? I don't know you. He said, look, you know what about all that? This is what you remember. I am that I am. You don't have to know all the other stuff. Because God is what you need him to be. When you need him to be that. You don't hear what I'm saying. Evidently, you don't hear what I'm saying. You talking about healing. God is a healer when you need him to be a healer. I don't know what your situation in this place right now, but that's who God is. You need help. That's your situation where God is a helper. What do you need God to be? You need somebody to protect you. Well, God is a protector. He's whatever you need him to breathe. He's breath when you're hungry. He's water when you're thirsty. He's heat. He's heat. He's heat when you're cold. God will take care of you. Israel came out of Egypt. They didn't have no light. They didn't have no stores. And, but they had God. God came over them. And the sun at night so they didn't have to worry about having fire to keep cold God says I'm gonna be over you at night and I'm gonna give you light I'm gonna give you light and heat so you don't have to worry about being cold I know you don't have no clothes as a matter of fact the shoes on your feet they not gonna wear out because I'm with you I'm with you as a matter of fact you don't have food to eat you don't have water to drink but as long as you got me I'm gonna take care of you Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Going to look at two verses. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. From here, I'm going to go to Hebrews 6, 4 through 8. Two in Hebrews. I'm going to show you something. See, the key that I keep saying to people is, you need to make sure you're saved. That's in and out of church, in and out of church, leaving the Lord, coming back, going to come back. You need to make sure you're saved. God can only save you one time. He's only going to save you one time. Hebrews chapter 10. Thank you, Lord Jesus. From the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10. See, if God saved you, you saved. Watch what He's going to tell Israel. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. I just got to my message. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But call to remembrance. Now He's saying something to them. Now I'm going to give you a little excerpt here. When God came into you, as God's light moved in, opposition started. Let me say it again. Opposition started against you. You became a mock man, a mock woman, because you're a carrier of the light. Flesh gonna come against you, Galatians 5, 17. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so you cannot do the thing that you would. Once you get born of the Spirit, and you got Christ living inside of you, there will be now opposition, and it won't be just your flesh. It's going to be all flesh. Any flesh will come against you. But But how do you know the light's in you? Before you got the light in you, nobody bothered you. You can go twist all night. Twist all night. Twist the night away. <laughs> Nobody bothers you. And soon as you got that light inside of you, all hell broke loose. Everything seemed like you do come against you. You come to God and say, Why me? Why, why every time something it work against me? What, what, what? You got that light. You carry of the light. I'm going to show you in the word of God that the word of God shows you affliction goes from light afflictions to unbearable afflictions. And God still never moved. Because God is going to allow afflictions to come in your life. Because he got something he got to show you. I'm going to tell you what it is. Somebody can find it for me. John saw it in 1 John. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Well, I know who's in the world. That's the flesh. But your spirit has received her redeemer, your soul has received her Lord. You got to see Israel coming out of the wilderness and God says, I don't want no water, no mud between their toes. Dried up. The ground began to move all night. Dry ground. He marched across on dry ground. Ain't the first time. God's shown them how great he is. And Israel got ready to go into the promised land. You go back and look at it. During the days of Joshua, they went across again. He took the covenant of ark, went and stood in the water. And God says, Whoosh. Whoosh. and this rivers departed. Red Sea departed. Jordan River departed. Israel went cross for the second time on dry ground. God was wanting to show them all the way through coming out of Egypt, 10 plays against Egypt, who He is. God did everything to show them who He is so they would believe. Now you got to understand something. He shows you that because you cannot be saved just by seeing miracles. Don't let no matter fool you. You can't be saved by seeing miracles. If it could, Israel would have been saved. The only power to save you is the gospel of Christ. Romans 1.16, Paul found out, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, is the power of God and the salvation of every man that believeth. You cannot be saved until you hear the gospel preach. When you hear the gospel preach, it's the power to open up your heart. You can't open your heart until the power comes. The Holy Spirit himself must open your heart so you can be saved. And the Holy Ghost works when I preached Christ crucified. That's why so many people go to church telling you all this stuff, how to be saved. You can't be saved that way. God got to open up your heart so the light can come inside of you. And when that light come inside of you, brother, it puts out your darkness. Don't have to tell the devil to go, shoe devil, bow devil, boo devil, none of that kind of stuff. When you open your heart and let the word, I saw that happen. When I was on Elizabeth Lake Road, we had a girl, we was praying for her, she had devils, real demons. Running all over the church, running all through the church, real devils. But one day, God said to me, you can't put him out. You can't put him out. I left two of my preachers in my office. They came back, everything was on the ground. (laughs) Every table, every desk, everything on the ground. She had threw them all, all over that room. And God said to me, Stop right there. I said, You want to receive Christ in your heart? Looked at me. When she received Christ in her heart, the devil left. I learned something, boy. I don't have no time to be boo devil, go devil, devil. No. You want Christ? Devil leave. First John 4 4 said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world once christ go in you of god little children you have overcome the devil overcome them because greater god almighty is he that's in you than he that's in the world once christ comes inside of you he puts the devil out and he can not never come back again because now your body become the temple of the Holy Ghost. Somebody get a lot of praise. Your body become the temple of the Holy Ghost. God delivered me from the fear of devils many years ago. My wife would tell you, as a pastor, man, I'm telling you, them things were coming against us left and right, through the telephones, all kind of ways, through people. And God says to me, one night, I tell you, I was laying in the bed, they came against me in my house many times. And I said, Lord, the Lord must have knew I was, didn't understand. And he said to me, no devil can come in this house again. Put your hands on your chest. And say, Jesus, Jesus lives, in my heart. lives in my heart. Say, Christ, Christ live in my, lives in my heart. This is God's house. This is God's house. No, devil no devil can, never, can never come in this house again. Now give the Lord a big hand. Never. Never. Devils can oppress you if you go on their territory. If you watch their movies, if you mess with their demonic stuff, if you mess with their voodoo hoodoo and all this old charm stuff, and all this stuff, you mess their stuff, they can mess with you. But they can never come in the house. They can oppress you mentally. But if you tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for that, I will never mess with that stuff again, the power of God will break that thing off your life. If you don't realize what I'm saying, you'll never pray for people who have spirits. Because the spirit of fear is like a bee that's in a beehive. If you mess with bees, bees mess with you. That's why God said, lay hands on no man suddenly, unless you be partaker of the evil deed." And a lot of folks do not understand. You pray for people, they got demonic spirits, and you put your hands on them, they put their hands on you. But when you got the Holy Ghost in you, and you got the Holy Ghost on you, no devil in hell can break that power. That's why when Jesus prayed for the sick, he laid hands on them. Because the devil cannot come on him. He said, because they have nothing in me. You got to know who you are. You got to know who you are. When God reveals himself to you, he comes in. And you got to know what God is at all times. How can you call on God whom you don't know where he is? I'm going to do this Hebrew and done. Hebrew 10, 32 and 33. Hebrew 6, 4 through 8. Let me finish my mess. I just had to thank him because I thought about 9 11. See. Ooh. Good God, boy. Call to remembrance. Paul's saying to these people, because they want to turn back and go back. They want to go back to the law. They were afraid. He said, Look, you call to remember the former days in which after you were illuminated. Remember I gave you that word at the beginning of the message, illuminated meaning enlightened, or you have received spiritual perception. After you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. Once you was illuminated, once Christ came to live inside of you, affliction started. Now you want to go back. Now you're talking about the devil. The devil's busy. But Paul told him, partly why you was a gazes, you was made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, partly why you became companions of them that were so used. You began to get away from the word and go back over here with folks who used to go to church. Well, look what he says. You had compassion on me and my bond. You took the joy for the spoil of your goods, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better and everlasting substance. And doing something. Cast not away. This is what he told the church. Don't throw away your confidence, which you have great recompense of reward. Don't throw away your confidence. That's your faith in God, your trust in God. Don't throw it away just because you had a bad day. Don't give up on Him just because you had a bad night. You have need of patience. God doing something in your life. God want to know where you wait on him. When it don't seem like he's coming, will you still wait and will you still say, God will come. He that said he will come, he will come. When your bills have not been paid on time and the people are talking about cutting your check, you got to be able to stand up and say, my God. Shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm not living like the world living. I got a God who take care of me. I got a God in heaven who made sure all his inheritance belong to me. I don't know how they're going to have my life, but he gave me his faith. As long as I believe him, he's going to move on my behalf. God gave you his faith to get what you need from God. You can't boohoo and get nothing from God. You can't boohoo, hoo you do, 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 all and it Ain't gonna work. You're gonna have to say God said it. I believe. This how it's gonna be. You can't go by all this other stuff. Now watch this. In Hebrew chapter ten, six, Hebrew chapter six. You after you was enlightened, you 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 got this great final reflection. But watch this. Hebrews 6, 4 through, 4 through 10. Oh, my God. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 through 10. and Hebrews chapter 6, and verse number 4. For it is impossible for those who was once enlightened. You got to hear me real good now. It was imp- It's impossible. Somebody says Impossible. For those who was once enlightened, if you ever had God's light in you, it is impossible to have tasted the heavenly gift, the Holy Ghost. It's impossible for you to have had the Holy Spirit in you. Have tasted the good gift, have tasted the word of God, and the powers. of of the world to come, which is grace. That's what we're at now. It's impossible to have had all of this and then fall away and then leave God. It's impossible for you to have God's spirit, God's word, and then leave God. It's impossible. You've just never been saved. I hope somebody hear me today. I said it's impossible for you to have had the Holy Ghost. It's impossible for you to have had the Word of God, have tasted the heavenly gift of the Holy Ghost, for you to leave God. It will be impossible. Yeah. If they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, the seeing they have. They have crucified for themselves the Son of the Living God and put him to an open shame. It's impossible for you to have had this and then go back to God and be saved. Either you've never been saved. Now let's see the same thing in the good news. Let's do this verse right here, too, because that's going to go all going to be six through nine. For the earth would drink drinking in the rain. Don't give, give you something to look good by. The earth that drink in the rain, that cometh on it, and bringing forth fruit, herbs, meat for them which is dressed, they receive blessings from God. But then, watch what he's going to say after that. But that which bears thorns. See, if you have the Holy Spirit and have received the Holy Spirit, now here's a person that Life is bringing forth thorns and briars. You are now in the cursing. Your end is to be burned with fire. Now, let's go back and read this same thing. But, beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you and that. Let's go back. Are we reading this out of what now? NLT. Make sure NLT, we're going to do it out of NLT and we're going to do it out of good news. 6-4. For how can those who abandon their faith be brought back to repent again? See, we got this thing in churches, like folks been in church, they were saved. And then they say, Well, you believe in one save always saved. And then they say, Well, I was saved, but I left God, and I've been out here in the world living like a dog, and now but I'm saved. Is that right? Everybody hear what it says. See, if God saved you, then how could you ever be lost again? Either He saved you or He didn't save you. What happens is you never were saved. Watch what He says. How can those who abandon their faith be brought back to repent again? They were once in God's light. they, they were once in God's life, they tasted the heavenly gift, they received the share of the Holy Spirit. They knew from the experience that God's word is good and they have felt the power of the coming age. They felt that power of the Holy Ghost. They already felt that grace. And then they abandoned their faith. It's impossible. It's impossible to bring them back to repentance again because they are again and again crucifying the Son of God and exposing him. To public shame. God blesses the soil which drinketh in the rain that often falls upon it, and which grows plants that are useful to those who is cultivated. But then it said, "But but if it grows thorns, if your life is growing thorns and weeds, then it's worth nothing." This danger of being cursed by God and will be destroyed by fire. Don't you fool yourself. Either you have God's spirit in you or you don't. You can't receive his spirit and receive his word and receive his blessings and then turn around and leave. Walk away and leave God. No, you will crucify him afresh and bring him to an open shame. Why would that, pastor? Because you are saying God's power was not able to keep you. If God saved you, then the devil can't have you. Oh. If God saved you, I know him in the book. because Jesus said it this way. Nobody is able to pluck you out of the Father's hand. See, the key is, either you are saved or you're not saved. You got to understand, you got to stop this, keep on getting saved. The thing about it is, you might not have never been saved. Because once you get saved, God is able to keep you. Go to Jude, the last chapter. Jude 24, I think it is. God is able to keep you from falling. Brother, let me tell you something. I know when I got saved. And let me tell you something. I've been saved ever since. Once you were saved, you've been saved ever since. Because once you thought you were saved, you were up and down. Like, you, know. you just think you were saved. You didn't know what saved was. But once you really got saved and got the Holy Spirit in you, you know you saved. Anytime somebody's saved, they know they're saved. Watch what it says. They like the Jew 24. Now unto him that's able. Yes. What is he able? He able. Yes. Hey. Don't, get, don't let me go there now. Yes. Now to him that's able. Some, look at somebody that say he's able. He's able. Yes. he's able to keep you from falling. You. If God is in you, he's greater than he that's in, outside of you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world of your flesh. So God is able to keep you from falling and God is able to present you faultless. I'm saying faultless without fault. He's able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's why... Jews said, to the only wise God and Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever and forever. Somebody give the Lord praise. I want you to stand up on your feet. Thank God for his salvation. Thank God for saving you. Thank God for saving you. Come on, I need him more than a pancake.
1: I want to hear some saved
0: folks. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, Be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org That's www.mydoorfaith.org